Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel and Kim, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. On today's Tour Catch-Up. Iga picks up her eighth title of the season. Felix delivers in Florence. And Andre Rublev moves closer to the ATP Finals. Kim, Chris, today is the 17th of October and we are here to catch up. On the week in tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ, we have had another cracking set of tournaments across the ATP and WTA tours. Iga Swiatek has won her eighth singles title of the season. Andre Rublev has also collected his fourth singles title. And guys, it is well and truly baby season because Gail Monfils and Daniel Medvedev have both welcomed in babies with their respective partners. Gem's life is thriving. I know, and I think that's probably my highlight of the week. I think Gem's life, <laughs> giving birth to another Gem, uh, then then our trio, I guess. I was wondering if they were going to call it Gemma or something. Was it Gemma. Gem's life now? Gem's <laughs> life. Yeah, they've got the ba- baby called Sky, so maybe they'll incorporate that into the name. What a letdown! Why couldn't it? I feel like it could have been like, yeah, Gem's life, baby. Gemma, <laughs> Gemma, uh, yeah. Gemsy is quite nice if it begins with a Y. Yeah. Yeah. They've missed that one, but yeah. still happy for them, are we, Kim? <laughs> they obviously took, you know, Rafa, Rafa's wife gave birth mm. and now everyone's following suit. So what what babies will be born next week in the world of tennis, I wonder? I feel like Gail Monfils and Alina Monfils, are, they're the sort of couple I feel... Would they create an Instagram account for their baby? Bit like not um, immediately. Serena's not immediately, I reckon. Daughter. I reckon they would start by saying no, no pictures. They do a few mm. teasers of the baby mm. face, and then it will maybe a, a, a family YouTube account. That's where I think they're headed. <laughs> yeah. So far, we've just got a little hand of the of the baby. So we'll see how how open they they want to be. Uh, but yeah, certainly we enjoy we enjoy following them on the old socials, don't we? I'm fully expecting as well, you know, come, you know, 20 years time, you know, when we're we're still recording the podcast, obviously, we're going to be talking about this baby as one of the next big, big hopes of, of tennis, right? Yes, definitely. I'm not sure to which <laughs> bit we'll be agreeing. <laughs> well, Leo Borg is playing out in Sweden this week because uh, it's the Stockholm Open. So, you know, as an example of a, of a tennis child, yeah, true. often does does run in the family so we I hope to him. see him there Kim I'm hoping to see him I'm there later in the week so hopefully um I'll be able to see a bit of Leo Borg in action and um that will give us a taste of what the baby Sky might be doing in 20 <laughs> <Yeah>. years <laughs> so before we get on to the action from from last week um let look I mean my highlight's been you know the babies um got to love got to love a baby being born um Chris do you have a particular highlight from the, the past week on tour before we get into the the movers and the shakes and the winners i i do indeed kim um 
I could not believe uh, a match that I saw which had nine um, match points were saved for Arthur Rindeneck against PCB. And it was 7-6, 18-16 in the third set. And um, I don't think I've seen that many match points saved. And the quality was very, very high. Thoroughly enjoyed that one. Um, and I think what I liked most about it was that well, obviously, I don't like the fact that um, there was some tragedy for Arthur. His grandma passed away, but he said that he felt like he was playing for something bigger. And if you watch the way he played, I mean, he certainly felt like he was playing for something bigger, the way he was taking on the shots in that one. And I was thinking about um, how many match points have people saved and won. So I did a bit of research to add to my highlight of this week. And um, apparently the most match points saved in a men's match on record was 11. And that was by... Adriano Panetta, um, and that was when he wound up defeating Kim Warwick in Rome in 1976. I know that if I asked wow. the question, you'd both have got that right. That is, but, yeah, um, that, I mean, we all we all knew that. It just sort of rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? It um, does. Kim Warwick it, is a household name. <laughs> Kim Warwick, yes. Um, I've, I've always followed them and their um, fantastic Career. careers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> except the one that got away in, in Rome was a, t- a tough year for that. But the last <laughs> one I could remember where there were nine um, was Kyrgios versus Gasquet in Wimbledon 2014, where Kyrgios saved nine mm. match points to come through that one. So it's been done before. It's very rare. Um, and I wouldn't recommend it if you're a nervous viewer. It was pretty hectic, that tie break. And a shame for PCB, who was playing, I think, yeah, in his home, home tournament. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I mean, maybe that maybe a for a bit of a harsh highlight there. But having won that match, he did lose in the next one to Seb Corda. So um, it was a, sh- a short-lived um, success, but nevertheless, very exciting. And we pass our commiserations to PCB in that one. I still don't know. I mean, we'll get on to it in a sec. But what did you guys think of the court colour or the combination of color on the Guillaume open tennis court like orange and this sort of gray like outside to me that orange was like clay court orange on a hard court and I was struggling a lot with it I, f- I felt when I was sort of watching watching tennis through the you, week you didn't like it I no, it was I a hark no. back to you know the Lintz WTA tournaments of old <laughs> it was the exact same colors and it brought mm. back familiar memories of a place that Daniela Hanchakova saw much success. So I spent many a day watching that tennis tournament. So I wasn't shocked by it. It did feel quite old school because I feel like there's a trend at the moment that we're going towards this sort of Lever Cup, like black on black, like a bit video game like. Yeah, it, I feel like it's like very smart and professional, but I feel like there is a bit of room for creativity. But yeah, for me, it was, I don't know, it was a little bit. A little bit jar- too jarring for me. I don't think orange and grey particularly goes. Mm. That, that was my... I don't mind the orange or the grey, but just not together. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that one, Joel. But um, tell us, apart from the, the court annoying you, <laughs> is there something you, you liked about the last yes. week on tour? <laughs> Anything <laughs> well, at all? It is actually sort of related to Arthur Rindeneck. And it is concerning uh, the French number one spot because at 34 years old... And three months, Adrian Manorino has become the French number one. Um, he's 42 in the world, has had a pretty good season. It's amazing. I think, you know, we, all these players are just, you know, 
going very deep into their 30s and and playing you know very very solid tennis um and yeah manorino now french number one and it just got me thinking and again question question for for tennis weekly hq is is that a good or bad thing he's french number one and he's outside the you know outside the top 40 I think back to the days when, like, you know, we had Monfils and, and Simon, uh, Gasquet, Songa, all there or thereabouts in, like, the, the top 20. Lucas Puy um, as well. Like, oh, Lucas Puy. We, we, are, we, are, <laughs> we have come on leaps and bounds, I feel like, for the worse since then. I mean, it, I think the French players want to be where the American players are at the moment. Mm. They've got so many. And, yeah, French tennis is really been struggling of late i mean who have we got corentin mutes is a young up-and-coming mm. gaston gaston yeah. gaston but yeah i mean it's good for adrian Bonzi. manorino but they are they are lacking a bit they're not they're not getting up there are they i think monfils is is literally like two spots behind manorino and he's like off <laughs> feels like he's just had a baby he's like off the I tour think the he's baby. played in a while has he? he's not mm. been active on the tour so that's definitely not good if you're asking me if I was the president of the French French Tennis Federation, I'm saying this isn't good. But if you're a fan of Manorino, you think fantastic. <laughs> 34, mm. what a time with the result. And there is an update on that, that he is in the live rankings, the French number two behind Gael. So we'll have to see, depending on how he does in Naples, whether he's able to keep it for more than just one week, which would be, that would be a bit of a, a sadness if it was one week and then done. Talking of number ones, we do have uh, the world number one on the women's side of things. Um, getting back to business, winning her eighth title of the year in San Diego. Uh, bageling as well as part of that, as she, we know she loves to, to deliver a bagel. Um, yeah, Iga Svontek winning out in San Diego, beating Donna Vekic, uh, 6-3, 3-6-6-love. Uh, this is now her 64th match win of the year, um, which is actually the most any player has had in a single season since Serena Williams back in 2013. Um, but yeah, she's back to business, Iga Svontek. Really good um, record as well out on the, the US this year. She's only lost one match in the US the whole of 2022. So she clearly loves competing out there. But what did you both make of, of this victory, her, her week out in uh, Southern California? I think for me, it was like, it was an interesting one because, you know, there was, uh, it wasn't, I feel like the best setup for her, you know, she'd just come off, you know, winning in, in Europe, flying out all the way over to, to San Diego. It was a bit of a, for me, a bit of a kind of a, a peculiar choice. And, you know, some of her matches in the build up to the final, you know, she was really just sort of getting the job done. It wasn't like the imperious Iga Svantec. I think we've seen at, at some tournaments, you know, she's, she dropped quite a few sets um you know across the across the week for example against uh, pegula, pegula in, in the semi-finals ching weng zheng as well um in the, in the second round but yeah for me it really kind of clicked with that that win against coco goff and then in that third set in the in the final against donna vekic we we really did see i think glimpses of her you know of her at her best for that reason why she is world number one but i wouldn't necessarily say across the whole tournament we saw yeah, that kind of Shiontech that I think we've seen just go out and out, just dominate a tournament from start to end. I think there were some vulnerabilities there based on the kind of the circumstances um, and the situations that she was in. I think the rain as well didn't really help the, the tournament kind of get going. I know there was a few kind of issues with, with scheduling, but um, yeah, still a very 
good performance for Shintek and again it just shows how how difficult she is to beat even though I didn't feel she was playing at 100% the whole week um yeah she still still came out as a champion yeah I was impressed by the fact that she hadn't obviously lost in a final before mm. and so it's quite rare for her to get herself into that situation um especially on the WTA tour and then coming to the US I wasn't necessarily sure what her motivation would be to play so quickly after playing in Estrava. It seemed like quite a quick turnaround. And if I was her from a scheduling perspective, I might have skipped San Diego and headed to Guadalajara because it made a bit more sense to have some time off. So she's not playing Guadalajara, is she as well? She isn't. No, she isn't. So that was a bit of a surprise to me. I think we thought from a scheduling perspective, that might be why she didn't want to go back um for the Billie Jean King cup potentially did she, did she just want that surfboard trophy in yeah who would in her trophy is it a working su- surfboard can she take that out <laughs> well, she put it on the ground on the tennis court and jumped on it it so. looked like a surfboard <laughs> if it looks like a surfboard it is a surfboard anything could be a surfboard but she did she did she well she certainly rode the wave of the tournament I think and mm. she managed to um problem solve and that's what I'm most impressed with this week from Iga is that at times she's had um, some sort of uh, difficulty in some of the matches. And she had a similar thing in Estrava where she it wasn't all plain sailing. And even in that final against Kujikova, there was a real challenge and a problem-solving sort of mindset that she took to it. Like she pretty quickly, um, after losing that first set to, to Jesse Pagula in the semi-final, she figured it out. She, she got her game back in order and she did the same thing, as you said, in the final where once she is tested... She tends to come through pretty easily. It was 6-1 um, in the third set of the her round of 16 against Zheng. It was 6-2 in the uh, final set of her semi-final and then 6-love in the final set of her final. So although they were three-set matches, I actually think they are more impressive, um, you know, than potentially a quarter-final against Goff because um, if you watch that match against Goff, I think she didn't necessarily get off to a good start. And I think she almost thought she had to play and you did play your best tennis against the world number one but she just went for a bit too much um and I think that potentially um that's where she lost that one so another great week for Iga another title is the tour now boring is is it are we are we just wrapping up towards kind of the the Iga Sviantec procession in Fort Worth do we think given you know given the results we've we've seen even now you know when she's been made to work and think she's still coming (laughs) she's still kind of coming through in flying colours because I'm sort of intrigued by Guadalajara this week because Iga Sviantec isn't playing have we got to that point where it's Iga Sviantec and everyone else potentially I think looking to uh, well looking forward to the end of season championships if you look at the qualification list Mm. I'm not sure anyone has anywhere near a decent record against her she's dismantled all of those players and I think every single kind of other year we've had great kind of head-to-heads we've had players who um or if it's been an open field everyone's had a shot whereas this as you say it does seem like it's eager versus everyone well, clearly, Caroline Garcia will be her biggest uh, competition, <laughs> I think. But uh, she's got a good record against her. Quite exactly, she beat her in in Poland, wasn't it? Um, yep. Yeah, I think it's the fact that she's dropped a couple of sets like this week. Um, but I, th- you know, that does give some some hope to others. But like you said, when you look at the actual contenders who will be in that field, um, some of them, you know, of late are not in in the greatest of form. And yeah, I, I just. 
I, I do see her as a cut above, especially like that that last set of this final, for example, against Vekic. You know, Vekic was not playing badly. I think she'd only had like one unforced error, and it was like five love to to eager. So she just massively upped it when she needed it, and you know. What can you do? I mean, obviously Donna Vekic had a great week herself, some some fantastic wins, but was there as a qualifier. But yeah, I think um it's sensible of of Eager to probably miss Guadalajara. She wants to be fresh and fit for the the big one. Um and maybe the courts in San Diego, you know, this just suited her better and her schedule. So she's not playing this this coming week. But yeah, it's she's got to be an out and out favourite, surely. It's a bit scary, isn't it? She said in her post-match interview, she thought she was going to peak around 24, 25. <laughs> How and old is she? Still a 20, way to go. 21? Is she 21 still? I think she 20? is, yeah. Oh, it's... Yeah. Well, there are, I think, things that she can improve on because, again, we saw in this final what people would say is unsportsmanlike conduct by her and her, you know, her waving hands at the net which you know some people people are looking at as hindrance or you know trying to distract the the opponent she has kind of come out and apologized on twitter about it but this is not like the first instance of this and again we I'm talked a bit about like, this joel didn't we we have spoken about it and yet it seems yeah, kim it wasn't seems here for that keep, i don't think it seems to keep happening and i'm you know i'm like you know she's she's great um you know she's a great personality um but there is still a side of her that for me i don't necessarily you know warm to and and it's this you know these sort of what i think some people might be like oh the quirky behavior which i think we're sort of seeing more of the the shield tech kind of personality you know she loves tiramisu and i quite like you know how open she is you know as, as a kind of a, a world number one versus maybe like a you know naomi osaka who's obviously i think a little bit more you know a little bit more introverted but um, there are still elements of a game that, yeah, I think just for me, just come across as a bit too, yeah, disrespectful to players. And I think p- fans maybe kind of take it in a way that doesn't necessarily adhere her to them. Why haven't these things been, I feel like, ironed out? Because surely they've been, you know, would have been chatting about this in a, in a coaching setup. I think she probably just did it when she was younger, right? And didn't really stop doing it. And so I, I think she's obviously a lovely character. Um and so I think it's kind of crazy how tennis Twitter and kind of the outrage about this mm. and about this relating to her character when the things that some men do on a tennis court, and I won't name names, but there's some bad behavior out there. She doesn't swear. She doesn't dispute anything. She behaves in the absolute most professional manner. And she just waves her hands around a bit at the net and loves the tiramisu. I think we should um, cut her <laughs> some slack. She's, she's not trying to uh, do anything to... And she always loses the point. That's the key. Always loses the point when she does that. Mm. So... Yeah, I was going to say this hand wave uh, against Beckett. She didn't didn't win her the point, did it? So um, not not that it's. I'm still. No, I think, no, I still I'm still I'm, a bit like. I just yeah, don't, I don't think, think it, it was, should be. I, just I don't, don't like think it. it. I, I don't agree. think it should be on the tennis court. Yeah, Regardless. it was unnecessary. It looked weird. Like it looked. It, like I she felt was, very was, awkward watching it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree, and I don't like Tiramisu at all. So um, we obviously couldn't be friends with her. I could imagine if Danielle Collins had got to the final, who, who lost to Vekic in, in the semis. If I was her and, and like, yeah, Shrontek was in a hand wave, you just know Collins would have just, just taken none of it. And 
even if like she had lost the point, she would have probably like complained to the you know the the umpire around like yeah, just being very distracting. I don't think that's fair on Danielle. I reckon she would just smack the ball past her and wouldn't even <laughs> think about it. That's her, the new Danielle Collins reaction. It's not all about the come on. It's firing the backhand down the line, the hardest backhand you've ever seen hit, and then she just sighs and looks at her racket as though she's just yeah. hit the worst error. You know, like it's nothing. So, I think I think it's um. I think she needs to stop doing it. I think we're all agreed. It's very odd. And the fact you need to apologize for it is probably a sign that you probably shouldn't be doing it. It feels very um, juniors, you know? It will come with time and, and learning. You know, she's still very, very young, isn't, isn't she? So um, not making excuses, but that's the sort of thing that you do you do learn from. And uh, yeah, don't, don't always get right the first time. Um, elsewhere in San Diego, we had uh, Coco Goff and Jesse Pagula winning their the doubles title. So they're the, the top seeds. Coco Goff still still doubles number one, I believe, doing doing well, um, capturing another title together. She she did lose the number one ranking, She did. Oh, to Sinyakova where? after oh. Sinyakova and Krajikova took home three of the Grand Slams. This year, um, the three that they played, they won. I swear the women's doubles ranking is like a hot potato because I remember <laughs> even like last year, it was going between Mladenovic and then it was Krajikova. Mertens had some it of was, it for um, a time. Sinyakova had some. Timea Babos, you know, literally every week it seems to be a different um, different person. But um, okay, well, apologies, Coco. You're not, you're not number one anymore. She but... was very recently though. Very recently she was number <laughs> Former one. Former number one. Um, we had uh, also uh, on the WTA tour this week, just gone, uh, the Transylvania Open in Cluj. Um, some fantastic fancy dress on show there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Joel's favourite tournament. I'm surprised you haven't honest, asked Joel. me to dress up. I mean, this has given me actually Halloween, maybe Halloween Tennis Weekly inspiration maybe we should all if dress we go up. joel if we get tennis weekly to go you have to be that guy <laughs> who's dressed up as dracula yeah. doing the presentation <laughs> i want to get a jacqueline christian cape is is that where can i buy that is that is that available at uh, that any fancy I dress would... shop in the uk now's your time this is the window where this <laughs> hey, i shop. think i think Cluj or the romanian tennis federation they should be making a shop and putting that on there Bra- all branded merch. i think yeah merch 100 percent we can what get happened to sign in your Cluj, cape. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, what? Yeah. What was there actually? What did tennis happen? There? Sorry, was there um, tennis? I'm Anna, not sure. <laughs> Anna Blinkova uh, won. Uh, she became the fifth qualifier this year to win a WTA title. Uh, she beat Jasmine Paolini in three sets in the final, six two three six six two. This is her first title uh, for Blinkova. So, yeah, really good week for her. Um, and she's going back into the top 100 as a result of this win because she has been as high as 54 previously. Uh, but yeah, qualifier storming to victory. Had some tough wins throughout the week against Potapova and Kalanina, but yeah, getting the job done against Paulini in the final. Has anyone else um, notable been a qualifier that's won? Um, oh, this season this, this season anyone oh scratching my head I think someone mm. in Cincinnati won um, yes was there someone yeah I think they did it as part of a renaissance <laughs> yes yes that does ring a bell it does doesn't it yeah so um, well Garcia in Cincinnati anyone else remember any of the other qualifiers to win a WTA tour this year I honestly don't <laughs> Chris, I was hoping to add Donna Vekic to that list because well. I feel like Sloane in Guadalajara, maybe. Like <laughs> <laughs> that was a very um, Halloween laugh there. Ha ha ha! It um, was indeed. We had He's Bernard. In Cluj. 
Yeah, Bernard de Pera in Budapest won uh, title. Anastasia Potapova in Istanbul and Tatiana Maria in Bogota. So um, the big titles of the year. Yeah, major, <laughs> yeah. major ones. Um, so yeah, great win for Blinkova. Um, and yeah, I mean, not really too much else from, from Cluj. I think the outfits really are the... The star of the show and and Christian lost in the first round, so real <sighs> nightmare for the home fans. Um, she was out before we recorded last week. Wasn't she was she, of doubles she? and singles. So she gets so the mentions. best moment of clues happened. <laughs> she gets <laughs> last two Monday. mentions for that. Yeah. Um, let's move to the ATP side of things because we did have um, we've mentioned it briefly with the the nine match points uh, with Arthur Rindenek and PCB, but we did have a um, a two fifty out in. Uh, Ihon, if I'm saying it correctly, um, out in Spain, which Andre Rublev won. Uh, he took home the title. Straight sets against Seb Korda in the final. That's his fourth title of the year. Um, and he's sort of getting his points up in advance of the uh, ATP finals to, to boost his chances of uh, qualifying. So, uh, yeah, he's sort of hopefully peak, well, peaking at the right time of the year, getting his... Uh, his matches in and uh, getting his wins in so he can aim to be in uh, Turin. But yeah, what did you make of Rublev this week? You know, he had some solid wins over the likes of Dominic Team and, and Tommy Paul. Um, yeah, capturing his fourth title of the year. A player who I, I think is not, he's blown hot and cold this season, but um, it's almost surprising to hear that it is his, his fourth tour level title because I just remember him, you know, at the US Open, uh, you know, seeing those kind of visuals of him really kind of like emotional and, and upset and and you know I, I felt like there were points to sit this time when Rublev he just wanted it so badly it was actually like affecting his game and his performance and um, you know I think winning here would obviously do him um, you know a lot of confidence and you know I just think you know he's just playing a little bit more relaxed and you know he had a really nice uh, you know really good win I think against Dominic team in, in the semi-finals had a great embrace at the net but I think he was just a little bit more kind of relaxed and it just helped him I think just kind of reset and, and just kind of play his game and you know the Rublev that we know and you know in the final against uh, you know Seb Korda again it was very kind of rudimentary 6263 and um yeah I'm I'm happy for him because as I said I think you know he's he's been in kind of a dark space I think over the last you know few few months or so as I say I think he's sort of getting back up there from for me what was kind of the the doldrums for him of of the US Open see I'm going to say something controversial here I can't really get excited about him picking up a 250 when he hasn't really pu- <laughs> yeah, he hasn't really pushed on, has he? He's had mm. two quarterfinals at Grand Slam level. He's still not made that leap to the semi-final. I think you're completely right. He does want it too much. He's too much of a student of the game and too much of a fan of, you know, every second that he gets on court. I think it makes sense for him to play here. He's playing this tournament probably because of the end of season championships where he's up to number six in the race. Um, and there are only seven spots, isn't it? Because of... Um, Djokovic. Djokovic exactly so I think he's here he needed to pick up the title he obviously lost um, I think it was last week to Tsitsipas mm, in, um, in Kazakhstan mm. the level of that he played was pretty high but I mean we've seen him play a high level at non um, big tournaments so Chris are you demoting him from like the king of 500s to now like the king of 250s along with I with think Kasparud? he might be in the Kasparud zone Ooh. they might have had a 
you know but then then we can say that there is hope because if you become the king of the 250s you also become the king of the slam finals yeah two in one season that could be you mm. next year Andre um, exactly exactly <laughs> what are we thinking about Dominic team getting to a semi-final is this is he back is this is this the start I mean is if this is his best kind of run uh since returning do, mm. do we have great hopes or the fact that he managed to beat Marcus Giron and Francisco Serendolo and, and Zhao Souza, that's not really anything to go by. I think that's a bit harsh. I think, you know, I think for me, I've from the tennis I've seen from Dominic Thiem on, on, on highlights this week, I think he's been really, really good. He pushed Rublev in the semi-final. I don't, you know, it wasn't certainly a, a gimme and I thought his, his level that he brought, um, yeah, certainly for me showed that he is inching maybe back to you know former potentially former glories I think you know next season will be you know crunch time in terms of you know getting seeded um and I think and you know Andy Murray's in a, in a very similar position and I think that's for me what's kind of interesting is seeing both those players I think obviously team is coming back a little bit quicker than I think it has taken for, for Andy Murray but now they're at this point I think where you know they're both going to be looking to get into you know these these main draws seeded I think Andy Murray had a very good win against Davidovich Fikino in in the first round you know lost the eventual finalist Sebi Corder in in the quarters so yeah for me both of them I thought played a good level this week yes maybe you could say a little bit about you know the the caliber and the level of their opponents but I yeah for me I certainly thought they brought good level to the court I mean you can't turn your nose up at getting wins because that's what he needs Mm. but is he anywhere near having the nerve that he had before? You know, we talk about the fact that it's been a sort of a good run for him here. He's still outside the top 100. Um, He's at 131 in the world. So it's something where it's not been the season that he wanted or the comeback he'd wanted. He was aware it would take time, but I don't think... Do you think it's taken longer than a lot of us would have expected? Or do you think he's frustrated by that? Or do you think like it's just... It's just natural to want it to happen quickly because, you know, you've been in such a, you know, terrible place for, for so long. Um, I think he really, when he had, I think with the five straight losses or whatever it was to start off with, including kind of at challenger level, um, I think it a lot of it was to do with the lack of belief that he had. Obviously, mm. match practice is important, but seeing some of these matches where he was down quite badly in a couple of them, um, and it really wasn't pretty, especially in that. Um, he was Giron putting those match, painful, like, those painful Twitter uh, posts up, being like, "Oh, I'm, I'll keep trying." Yeah, it's it's a lot, and even in, in this tournament, like I think in that um, round of uh, sixteen, it was. Um, it is not like the team of old yet. Like you do mm, get some no. some good good plays, but I think against Rublev, it never looked like Rublev was ever going to drop a set in that one. And at five four, serving to stay in it, I I thought well team's not going to be able to hold it together here and he didn't so I might be a bit harsh I do think that he's going to set himself up for a much better 2023 Mm. but he's not shown me much evidence that he's going to be challenging for the majors like he previously was will he ever get there that's the million dollar question we hope Um, so though don't we we? yeah it would be a shame if he didn't um another player who's had a a a lovely week uh, out in Italy is is Felix Auger-Aliassime capturing his second ever singles title um which always puts a smile on my face <laughs> after his trials and tribulations to get his first um he beat jj wolf in the final 6464 um yeah felix was pretty comfortable all week only dropping one set along the way uh to oscar otter in the second round um but yeah 
great, great win for FAA. Again, he's got his eye on the uh, ATP finals. He's, I think, into seventh in the race. So he's in the last spot at the moment uh, once you take out. He's playing like Novak. he's in the last spot. I think he's playing Antwerp. Basel and Paris I think he said yeah, so, yeah he's certainly he's aware of it trying to do a, a big uh, push for the for the last spot <laughs> which I think he's just taken off Taylor Fritz who did have the last spot so yeah so all all gonna potentially potentially change but um yeah good title uh indoor hardcore again uh he because he won Rostam earlier in the year didn't he um and yeah picking up another one on the indoor hardcourts um I mean he was the top seed had a sort of fairly mm routine week really uh, any surprises with with this one with with FAA winning winning another final I think it's <laughs> the biggest one no that I was a surprise <laughs> without any drama yeah exactly I think you know he's playing with a lot more confidence and it's great I think to see him just sort of realizing his potential a little bit more I think particularly in these these match day situations in in finals given you know his record going into the season was just so was just so terrible um you know yes you know he was up against JJ Wolf uh, you know in a, in a final who would have been a very kind of surprise finalist for many but um yeah i again i think he served very well across the week i think i think a player like JJ Wolf sort of plays into Felix Ogier Eliassime's hands in terms of you know he's an american he has his cap backwards he loves to hit from the baseline uh, you know and go toe to toe with your opponent and i think that sort of you know, fed into Ogier Aliasim's kind of sweet spot. I still think there's a little bit of a question mark on if a player comes with some variety, angles, spins, moves Ogier Aliasim around the court. I think that for me is where he's more vulnerable. But certainly when he's toe-to-toe with his opponents in these kind of ground straight rallies, I think we, you know, we've seen across the week that he is able to just kind of assert his and impose himself, um, you know, a lot, a lot better. And, um, you know, against these sorts of opponents, it's, uh, yeah, it's what it's paying, it's paying real dividends. I was pretty impressed with the level that he played, especially against Massetti. Um, Massetti in front of a home crowd, he was hitting some really um, great shots. He was really fired up in that one. Um, Potentially the occasion got to him a little bit, but, I think that Felix, if he is able to kind of keep up um, this sort of form, um, and bear in mind he did take out Djokovic at the the Labour Cup, I think if he qualifies, he's my outside pick for the end of season uh, finals title because it tends to go to someone a little bit um, under the radar. Yeah, like we've had um, Sasha's won it. uh, I think Team won it as well. He didn't have, have a major at that point. Um, Sitsipas, Dimitrov, it doesn't always go to the person you think it will at the end of the season and he's peaking at a good time, I think. So Rublev winning a 250, you're like completely expecting that, you know, very easy for him. But we're all very excited about Felix Ogiali's seem winning, winning a, two, a <laughs> 250. I am, I am. I think it's, I think it's um, Felix, you know, he's not picking up 500s for fun. That's mm. never been, that's <laughs> never been his narrative. Mm. It's been good performances, the major, but, majors but in between not being able to put it together as well and in the majors at those clutch points not getting it done so that's the comparison I'd say is that Mm. they both don't get it done at majors in some big matches Felix has pushed further on at majors so I think for me seeing him perform well against players that he should be beating is something that's really positive but for Rublev it's can he beat Medvedev at a slam you know that's what I want to see the answer is still no more or less yeah exactly 
Well, it's great but wisdom. Am I a hypocrite? I probably am. <laughs> no, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I think also the Labour Cup, that win over Djokovic, um, although, you know, there were issues of Djokovic on that uh, particular performance. But, um, you know, I think all that's helped Felix. I think yeah. those team events boost him. And I think, you know, we've, we've seen this now with uh, the, his week in Italy. And yeah, I mean, personally, if, if Rafa can't can't play or can't win the ATP finals, I'd, I'd love to see an FAA taking home the title. So mm. we shall see. But let's take a quick break now. We'll be back in the second half to talk about Tennis Australia's decision not to lobby for Novak Djokovic to be at the Australian Open next year. Patrick Moratoglu's new coaching partnership with Holger Rune. And also looking at all the draws this week, including the first ever WTA 1000 event in Guadalajara. So do not go anywhere. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome back to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris, sponsored by DownloadTennis.com. And we're going to move on to a path of the courts um, to kick off the second half. Uh, last week we uh well it was it was quite a, a thriller last week wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> so um which of you ha- are leading with this one today i think joel you've got one for mm. me and chris is that right yes it's yeah. a chris chris versus kim special head to head today uh, i had a good one three... last time you did you did and perhaps perhaps the topics may play in your favor i'm not going to lie there is some wta um that's what we relevance. like to hear, Joel. Some relevance. Yeah, I know. That's what you like to hear. Exactly. Money Giving under the t- Chris a massive advantage. Yeah, he's <laughs> on my payroll, Kim. <laughs> but but there is a little bit, Kim, there is also a little bit here for you as well. But um, yeah, I've got three questions. Uh, a tiebreaker, as always, if it is uh, one all. Um, but uh, listeners, of course, play along as well. So we're going to play... Chris is going to give me an answer. Kim's going to give me an answer. Chris is going to give me an answer. And first wrong answer is the player to to lose to lose the point. Okay, it's okay. getting tense again. I can already feel it. I'm <laughs> I'm getting nervous. <laughs> okay, right. So the first topic, and this is actually 
the topic with uh, the most answers. And it was a topic I was going to bring up the other week. But uh, the topic is... So, Novak Djokovic, um, a few weeks ago now, tied Roger Federer with a title in his 19th country. I have deliberately left out the name... Um, of of where that happened in that country it may have come up earlier um but yeah there are 19 countries now where he has won a title on the atp tour and i would like you to go back and forth kim you're starting with countries novak djokovic has won a tour title in okay uh right let's do this so 19 countries okay Mm. and Um, just to clarify actually that does include grand slams as well I was about okay. to say, right. I was getting worried. Obvious four there. <laughs> I should Shall try we start and go... with them, Kim? <laughs> well, I might go a bit more niche, actually. Oh, I I d- well, you're going to risk it, Kim. I, d- I know, I know no, you always... No, not that niche. I'm okay. going to go for Israel, as that was his one of his most recent. Kazakhstan. The United Kingdom. Australia. France. Um, have we had the United States? Uh, Monaco, which will be distinct from France. He's definitely one in Canada. Correct. Yes, Canada also on the list. Italy. Yes, Italy is there. Um, I don't think we've said Spain. No, we haven't. And that is also on the list. I feel like you're all just thinking about Djokovic and Masters. Yeah, Masters. that's all I'm thinking about. Yeah, but yes, exactly. Okay, yep. But yep, let's keep it going. Yep, Spain is also on the list. Um, uh, Getting a little bit trickier now. Yeah, just d- Dubai. I I will allow it. Technically, UAE. UAE, okay. Yeah, yeah, I will definitely. I will allow it. Yes, Kim. Um, China? Correct. China is on the list. Yes. Please, Kim. Oh, it's getting tense now. (laughs) It is getting tense. Uh, Japan. He must have won the Tokyo title. He has won the Tokyo title. Yes, Japan is also also on the list. There are are very few left now. Um, Um, How many are we up to out of interest? A good question that I do not know the answer to. Okay, okay, fantastic. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, I really do not know. Maybe he's won in Mexico. Has he won at one of those ones? Or oh, the Golden Swing or something. Mexico? <laughs> Incorrect. Oh, oh no. Takes the point. I could yeah. see him with that hat on. I could see point. it, you know, holding <laughs> what, Acapulco. Acapulco, yeah. <laughs> That's a Rafa tournament. Um, yes, no, uh, no. Mexico not on the list. I was going to say um, Serbia. Did he win his own one? Once? Yes, you could have said mm. Serbia. Oh, you yes, you would have kept good. going. Mm. Yeah. Did we? Oh, yeah. Did we even say Kazakhstan? By the way, I don't think we. Yeah, I did. Oh, did we? That was my okay. first one. We say that yeah. right? Okay, so we could have had Kazakhstan, Israel, Japan. Qatar, Monaco, UK, Spain, Switzerland, Serbia, UAE, China, Italy, Austria, Canada, Portugal, USA, Australia, France, and the Netherlands. 
Oh, there'll it be some early you, yeah. ones, won't there? Like, yeah, Portugal. I think quite a lot of them. Mm. It makes mm. you realize just how few countries the Master Series are in, mm. doesn't it? Yeah, it's very dominated, isn't it, mm. by US? The and US, right, exactly. Mm. Well, Kim, Kim is one nil up, but Chris, there is well a done, saving. Kim. There is a saving grace here because okay. the next one is WTA themed. Thank and goodness, it is WTA twenty twenty two themed, and Ooh. the five topic qualifiers is and again we sort of touched on this earlier and i'm glad no one brought brought them up the eight tournaments that Iga Svantec has won this year there are eight in total chris you start and if by some miracle uh you you get all eight between you uh you both you both get the point some miracle. I reckon, Kim, we're playing together on this one because I'm pretty sure we can get to eight. It's us versus Joel. Yeah, come on, let's um, do it. He doubted us. <laughs> okay, all right. Okay, all right. Right, Chris, what's your first answer? San Diego. Oh, <laughs> correct. Oh, wait, I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to help you out. Sorry, yeah, we're working uh, together. That's all right. Um, well, the US Open. Correct. Uh, Stuttgart. Correct. The French Open. Rome. Correct. Indian Wells. Very good. Correct. Yes. Doha. Uh, is is Kim oh, going to draw it? Is Kim yes. going to draw it? I know. It's the Miami because she did the Sunshine Woo. Double. That is very good. That is a correct answer. Wow. I didn't think that was going to happen. Maybe I should have had more belief in my two co-presenters <laughs> i mean if we can do that well at what was it the u.s <laughs> open winners i think we can manage eager this season eight out of eight so what, what's the the last uh so so kim and yourself both get a point so yes fantastic we're gonna go to the tiebreaker and chris all the the best you can do is draw mm. the situation so Love it's that currently two one to kim and this is going to be the fine the final type the final topic and yes kim gets to kim gets to start it is emma radicanu's coaches <laughs> oh, oh lord good. okay god since she sort of burst onto the scene yeah yeah okay let's go with that um, okay there uh, are there are well there are four i've got on my list here okay Right. So, the first one would be Andrew Richardson, who, in my opinion, she probably should have kept because they won the US Open together. Correct. Yes, Andrew Richardson on the list. I am going to say, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this at this stage, but I think Nigel Sears was her coach in 2021. That is a correct answer before Andrew Richardson. <laughs> yes, Nigel Sears is on the list. I was so worried with that one. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll Kim say the obvious. Yeah, I'll say the obvious. Um, Dmitry Tursunov, who's recently parted ways with her after a short time. There's one more. Torben Belts. Torben Belt's correct answer. Yes, another another draw. Wow, wow! It came down to the the first question. Djokovic 
uh, number of uh, well countries he's won a title in. Um, but yes, you got all of them: Tursunov, Belts, Richardson, Sears. So again, you split the points, and I think we're Kim, much better as a team. Kim, Kim That's takes what I it think. three two. Woo! I thought Emma had another coach though. I thought she did. I think she was. She she tried out another coach, but it was never official. Yeah, maybe Um, so. Hmm. I think she did a few kind of little trials. I think she was. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Oh, it's like roulette, isn't it? Coaching (laughs) roulette at the moment with everyone. Yeah, I think it was Yannick Sinner's former coach. I was going to say Ricardo. (laughs) Ricardo Piatti. Piatti. Yeah, Yeah, that was my. I was tossing up between that and Nigel Sears and I thought, you know what? Joel's going to, he won't allow it. <laughs> He's going to be a stickler for the rules on that one. Well, let's have a look at this week's mailbag, uh, Tennis Weekly mailbag. So we had um, we had uh, James on email asking us uh, how we thought about um, Andrea Seppi not getting a wild card into... Uh, any of his his home tournaments essentially uh, Florence or Naples so uh, Asepi is retiring but the Italian Tennis Federation did not give him a wild card to either of those events um, saying to him that a, it would have been a waste to give the wild card to a retiring player so what uh, yeah James wants to know if if we had been the tournament director of either of those tournaments would we have come to the same decision or would we have given him the opportunity to play that's a great question yeah Joel, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, I'm. I'm. Dis- I'm disappointing. I mean, you know, he's given a lot to Italian tennis. You know, over the, you know, over his over his career, he's been a. You know, he's been a great player. He's been a great ambassador. Um, you know, I remember watching him against uh, Carl Edmund. I think at the Australian Open when Carl Edmund went on that that amazing run. But yeah, to not get a proper send off. Um, from your own tennis federation, I feel is pretty, is pretty lousy. Um, you know, he he came out on on Instagram, didn't he, um, in the, in the story and said, unfortunately, the Italian tennis federation did not allow me to saying that giving a wild card to a retiring player would have been a waste. And I feel, I just feel like there still should be some sentiment sentimental value in tennis. Um, I get that there are you know lots of. Uh, you know talking points around wild cards and you know we've seen that with you know, Andy Andy Murray for example but I think you know certainly if there is one uh, available um and it's a, a, a more of a, in, a, in a recognition for for someone and their achievements then I think certainly for me Andreas Seppi has warranted it given yeah what he's given to tennis um over the course of his career see Joel I I knew you would say that I'm going to be controversial and say I'm a bit sick of the the farewell hype around this mm. stuff. I mean, the the chap's 38. He's been on the tour for a very long time and probably should have called time on his career a little bit before this. And I think to scapegoat, probably the Italian Tennis Federation has done an awful lot of stuff mm. for him prior to this. And then to go after them in such a, um entitled sort of way, I, do, I mm. personally think that... They funded his career probably. They probably really helped him. He did get to a career high of number 18. And just because you don't get to play a 250 in your swan song at 38, you come after them on Instagram. I feel like you could just say afterwards in a match, you were hoping to play. It was a shame you didn't get to play, but you're still very thankful for the opportunities you did have. Um, I just think there's a right and a wrong way of doing it. And I think um, throwing the institution that's given you so much under under the the bus at this late stage in your career doesn't feel necessary for a player who if we're being honest 
was a solid, consistent player, but he never made it past the fourth round of a major. Mm. Um, and I think if you get to this stage, I mean, Federer didn't play an ATP, to- well, technically an ATP uh, affiliated tournament, the Labour Cup, but you don't, not every player has to have this phenomenal mm. um, goodbye. I think it's, um, it's something where I saw this and the thought, would I have given it? Probably, probably not. Um, oh, I, I think... probably wouldn't have ranked ranked three hundred in the world. Now he was, mm. I think, at the time of the decision being made, he was two five seven. Um, so uh, that's the controversial opinion, Kim. It depends. Well, I mean, Italy have a lot of tennis players as well, don't they? So it's a bit maybe it's a bit different when you're from a country that we have more limited numbers. But I mean. Seppi is a classic. I have enjoyed watching him him play. So Very for sentimental, talented. yeah, for sentimental reasons, I would have I would have probably given him a wild card into one of them. Um, but maybe there maybe there needs to be a separate advanced. category. But like I, a, a, I, yeah. a sentimental what? wild card. Old yeah, I, I, sentimental a... <laughs> wild card. <laughs> what's it? Is the uh, I think the S. What's the SE stand for on tournament draw? Oh, Special um, exemption. Special yeah. exemption. Maybe there's like a retiring yes. legend, um, <laughs> an RL. RL or something. But I would agree. I probably would have given it to him. But I do think. Uh, what do you think about his statement? Do you think he should have put it on Twitter mm. or? Yeah, I think I think those things maybe could get be kept behind closed doors a bit more. But he's obviously kind of very frustrated. And what good comes from it? Yeah. Well, he's he's airing his thoughts. He's entitled to do that, and it's given us a discussion uh it's an interesting point though and it's a good you know, question thanks james it's, it's not like he was wanting a whole year of wild cards like some people so we'll see um, he what yeah he wanted to play on a court that's currently being transfer transported yeah. across italy yeah. um that isn't ready yet yeah then, <laughs> let the, the naples, guy play yeah naples sort of having some issues with their their court i think they're back to using the center court for this week only but um all other matches on another in another location due to issues. Goodness. <laughs> um, but some other news from the last week, um, Australian Open, uh, Tennis Australia, Craig Tiley has announced that Novak Djokovic is not going to get any special treatment from Tennis Australia to play in the 2023 Australian Open. Um, they're, they're sort of taking a step back. They're, they're not going to be involved. They're not going to try and lobby the government to, um, you know, help Novak get into the country to play this tournament. Um, it's understood that Novak will... Um, try to apply for an exemption from his three-year ban um, for, from entering the country, but the Tennis Australia are not going to get involved, essentially, which I think is a sensible move. Um, I think it needs to just be between a player and the government rather than having like a third party trying to wangle their way in. Um, so I think that's good that Craig Tiley's come out and said that because I think they need to make sure that what happened this year does not happen again. <laughs> um, I have this bad feeling that something will kind of like that happen again because you know this for me is coming it's going it's, it's it feels very much like a i don't know for me it's very much like a, a snail's pace um you know versus um i guess i feel like where we're at with with um you know society and you know i understand the you know the, the background and you know what happened you know last year and i think everyone wants to see i mean personally i do you know want to see all the best tennis players compete if they are allowed to um in in the grand slams and i think it would be a shame if someone like novak djokovic wasn't able you know to to be there um i think it's uh, interesting it's, choice of words though joel able mm. to be there everyone is able to be there mm. um i would say i think but it 
as you say, and as you both said, we don't need, no one wants a repeat of last year and Tennis Australia's involvement and Australian Open's involvement was the reason everything ended up the way that it did rather than just going by the rules. Um, I mean, it makes it a very simple sort of two person, two you know, two bodies kind of decision as opposed to like, yeah, like a another organisation kind of coming in and, and kind of muddying the waters. I think that's, we want a clean decision. We want a decision up front. Mm. Um, I don't think he should be banned for three years. So I do think there is responsibility that should be on um, the Australian officials who are involved with, you know, accepting people on the exemption. So um, I would hope we, I think we all would agree, we'd hope to see Djokovic in Australia playing tennis again, somewhere he's had a lot of success. But um, the rules are rules and I totally understand where they're coming from. But Craig did not do a great job um, mitigating the situation last year, I don't think. No. I think it would depend on the, the government and the and the attitude around COVID at that time because it's, it's a different mm. government now since last year. So it, it may very well be that it's yeah, not that sort of political hot potato that it, was I, um, I guess that's previously. what makes it so tricky to make this decision like so far in advance you know we've seen you know how mm. things can can change at you know snap of the fingers and um, perhaps that's why you know they're waiting but yeah hopefully there's get to a decision so there's no there's no sort of you know waiting and you know Djokovic posting a Instagram story of him you know with his bags and stuff like you know all that kind of fallout from last I think we year. all have PTSD if we saw that <laughs> on my way to Australia <laughs> yeah I think he might not be doing that again mm. if he gets in I mean it'd um, be interesting to see how you know if, if he does get out there how the fans do they will they accept him you know you, you know almost kind of Rod Laver Arenas is you know his first home or, or in terms of kind of tennis courts and you know his his achievements there but yeah it'd be fascinating to see if they're a boisterous know, the crowd aren't they mm. they definitely would give a let him know what they thought of him either mm. way right yeah 100% and uh, other news, talking earlier about the coaching roulette, uh, Patrick Moratugalu has gone over to join Holger Rune. Um, so whilst Simona Halep is recovering, uh, she apparently encouraged Patrick to seek a new collaboration. And I'm, I'm riffing off his his social media post here. Um, so, yeah, they they apparently uh, he's known him a couple of years since since Rune was was quite young. And is going to be coaching him. So, what do, what do you make of that partnership? Do you think uh, have you got high hopes for this this pairing? There's not many tournaments left for him to coach before <laughs> no. Simona comes back. It's a bit of um. He does hop around one. a bit. He does he? like to bounce around, doesn't he? He helps out like Sister Pass from time to time, yeah. doesn't he? No as well, so maybe <laughs> maybe there's a bit of um. He'll be with Emma next. I mean, maybe. I mean. Want, there's a that would there's be only a, so many coaches on the I list. I know that's, <laughs> that's exactly what I I was thinking. I mean, what for me is quite interesting about this announcement is okay. Was when Simona Halep does does come back, how you know how how is that handled? Is that like work? oh, I'm just going back to Simona Halep and, and I'm no longer with with Holger Rune anymore? It feels very his his appointments feel very kind of short term. You know, uh, it feels at the moment, which is a bit. You know, I guess when he has all that kind of credibility, you, you as a player, you're going to want to kind of clamour for as much of his time, you know, as possible. But um, yeah, for me, it's like almost he's, he's working on these kind of short term um, appointments, you know, jumping from you know one player to the next. And, I, you know, I personally want to see him more you know, working with Simone. I, I feel like they were doing well together. I was a little bit sceptical to begin with, but, um, you know, I thought they produced some good, 
good results together. Um, I know he could do, you know, I think help with with Holger Rune, particularly maybe with his his maturity, um, you know, on the tennis court, maybe his his approach from a, a mental side. But um, yeah, it's, it's 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 yeah, it's a tricky one. I think that Patrick just doesn't like spending time at his academy. I think he wants to be out there on the tour because <laughs> I think Simona's supposed to be playing the World Tennis League when that starts mm. and that starts on the 19th of December. So unless she's going to pull out closer to the date because she has some sort of deal with the, the tournament where she would postpone um, pulling out of that until they found potentially a replacement. But that's only two months away and presumably she'd train a little bit for that. So this feels more like a added to the camp rather than, you know, um, something more full term. And looking ahead to next week, well, this week, I should say, we've got the WTA 1000 event in Guadalajara. We've also got ATP 250s in uh, Antwerp, Stockholm, which Chris is going to. Very exciting. And also in Naples. Uh, as we mentioned, Naples are having some court issues at the moment. <laughs> oh, uh, so, it's amazing. I mean, understatement it's, of the year. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, if you can actually, if someone's going to win that title, well, good luck if you can get on the tennis court to do so. <laughs> well, I think um, they've, I think they've literally relayed the whole all the tennis courts like over nightmare. over one night. Um, you know, it is one of those tournaments on a a single year license, and I think it does tell you like, yeah, we've had a lot of I think success stories with single license tournaments, and there's no doubt that the Napoli Cup's not started yet. It could be. Um, success but it certainly hasn't started off the the right foot for uh, players yeah and and seeing the videos kind of on you know going out on, on social media yeah not a not a great not a great start to I think make your business case to the ATP to uh, to renew your license so uh, both of you are you what are you looking most forward to uh, this coming week on tour it's one thing that's grabbing your eye well, I mean, I should probably say the obvious. I'm very excited to be in Stockholm at the end of this week, watching quarterfinals to the finals. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing, I haven't seen Dennis play live. I think he he will be good to see there. Um, I also think I might be streaming Guantalajara whilst I'm there if Sloane's playing. My highlight is going to be watching Caroline Garcia get back to winning 1,000 events wow. again <laughs> and seeing what, what Leo Borg might be able to do against Tommy Paul. I think it's quite fun that he's uh, in the draw as a wild card. I mean, I, I will actually say I, I am got my eye on the European Open because Jack Draper is returning from injury. He beat Jensen Brooksby today 6-1, 6-2. So impressive. And interestingly, apparently he's working uh, or he's got Emma Raducanu's former coach in his box uh, this week working with him, which could be an interesting link up. But um, yeah, I'm interested to see how he gets on. Dan Evans won today as well against Greek Spore. So uh, yeah, a few Brits there. Andy Murray did drop out, um, not an injury related issue, um, but um, yeah, I'm interested to see how the Brits get on, particularly, yeah, Jack Draper. This is a title the Brits normally do quite well at, mm. isn't it? I think for several wins there in the past couple of years. But um, yeah, great stuff. Well, we'll be back next uh, week to round up all of the action from those events. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll cross our fingers for the for the court surface in <laughs> Napoli in the meantime. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope we have a tournament to feed back on next week. Exactly. But uh, listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this latest episode of tennis weekly remember to subscribe to us to stay up to date on all the action from the atp and wta tours we're on apple Podcasts, spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there you can also listen to us on the download app 
And if you like what you're hearing, then make sure to leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can follow us on social media or email us. So you can be reached on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter at Tennis Weekly Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. Let us know any thoughts, comments, feedback or questions for our mailbag on there or via email if you prefer tennisweeklypod at gmail.com and don't forget to check out our website www.tennisweekly.co.uk and we will be back next time at tennis weekly hq for our latest tour catch up so i hope you can join us for that but in the meantime it's goodbye from kim goodbye it's goodbye from chris goodbye and it's goodbye from me we'll see you again soon (laughs) 